0: I just want to remind you that I'm going to be working these verses backwards. So I'm going to be starting at the end of verse 8 and working my way up to verse 4. When God called the disciples out of their place of comfort into the public forum for the first time, as one man, the twelve disciples stood together and Peter preached the greatest sermon ever spoke in the history of Christianity. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 verse 41, On that day, three thousand souls were added to the church. So powerful and strong and meaningful and the life lived by the disciples that the Bible says in Acts chapter 17 verse 6, It says, These who have turned the world upside down with their message have come hither. The disciples were beaten, forsaken, brought to council, brought before Jewish leaders, before rabbis, before kings. Many of them lost their lives because of what they believed and who they professed to be their Lord. But nonetheless, the church of the living God moved on. The kingdom of God expanded and the church grew like a mighty force. You and I are, are heirs of that message preached on that day. We are the church of the living God. God has changed our life through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's made us. He's molded us. He's fashioned us. He's created us. And he calls us together as a body of Christ to fulfill his will on the earth. Nonetheless, not everybody heeds the word of God. Not everybody will accept Jesus Christ as Savior. And that's what I want to speak to this morning. When Peter's writing to the church there, he's writing to the churches of Asia Minor, and he calls them the people scattered throughout the land. And he says, not everybody who heard this message on the day of Pentecost... Would heed the word that was spoken. They rejected God. They rejected Christ. They rejected the Messiah. They would not listen. And Peter says why these people were not listening to what he had to say in verse 8. He said they were appointed to do such a thing. They were appointed to disbelieve what God had spoken through the prophets, what God had spoken through the Messiah. He said they were appointed not to accept Christ. As Savior, And then he says why these men were appointed to do this. He says, first of all, they were disobedient. Man has always been disobedient. He's been disobedient since the garden. God told Adam, you can eat anywhere you want to eat. Go anywhere you want to go. But do not eat of this tree. For the day you do it, you will surely die. Adam was disobedient to the word of God. His disobedience led to Cain and Abel. Cain, where's your brother? I don't know. His blood calls out to me, what have you done? They didn't listen to Noah when he built the ark and he preached the righteousness of God. This is the time of conscience. They did not heed the word of God. God flooded the earth. The children of Israel were disobedient to the law of God. They would not follow God's law. They would not listen to the prophets. They walked in disobedience and God put them in captivity. Man by nature has always been disobedient to God. Even good godly men can fall into disobedience. Abraham, supposed to have a child through Sarah, chose not to do that. David, the mighty warrior of God. Could have had whoever he wanted. But he wanted this one. And went out and killed a man. To have what God didn't want him to have. Man, even good godly men, can walk in disobedience. Why would someone walk in disobedience? He says right here, because they stumbled at the word. For our purposes this morning, Jesus said some pretty hard things. Destroy this temple in three days, I will rebuild it. Me and my father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. Lazarus ain't really dead, even though he's been in the grave for three days and by now he stinks. He's not really dead. Your sins, sir, are forgiven. How could Jesus say these things? He said, you've heard by men of old that you shall not do these things. But he said, if you think these things in your heart, you've already done it. They stumbled at this word. They could not understand this word. And they were not going to follow this word. And stumbling at this word, they become offended. Who are you to forgive sin? You're just a man. Only God can forgive sin. How are you going to build this this temple in three days? You know how long it took us to build this building? Who are you to come and say, destroy it, and I will rebuild it? Who are you to say you're God? Only God forgives sins. Who are you to judge me and my heart? Can't you see I'm a righteous man? I'm doing all the law and all the commands. They were offended at what Jesus had to say. And thus they stumbled at the words of Christ. They did not want to listen to him. They did not want to heed him. They did not want to follow him. And they were appointed to do that very thing. To walk in disobedience to the Christ. The son of the living God. Nevertheless, the Bible says he was made the head of the corner, that he was the Christ. Even though the builders disallowed him, even though they disobeyed him, they did not want to listen to what he had to say. The ones who built the temple, the ones who uh, had the law of God, to follow God, they said, we don't believe you, we will not serve you, and we will not follow you. They were disobedient to the very will of God. But you know what? Is not man the same way today? Now, I'm not going to rehearse all these things to you, but just let me lay out a couple of things. Is not man disobedient? Does not man stumble at his word? And is not man offended? Who are you to tell me Jesus Christ is the only way to God? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. But who are you to tell me that? There's all kinds of gods out there in the world today. All these different gods lead to the same place. You cannot tell me that Jesus is the Messiah. You cannot tell me that God is love, that God cares about man. Why would a God of love, caring, and compassion allow so much evil to be in the world? Who are you to tell me that God created the heavens and the earth? We're smart, we're scientific. We got all these wonderful things going on. You can't tell me there's a God and your God is the only way to heaven. You can't tell me how to live. You have no right to tell me how to live. I can live any way I want. Why? Because if there is a God, he loves me. And he loves me right where I'm at. And people that don't know Jesus Christ, they get offended. I like to say that in the church, do we not also stumble at his word? Do we not get offended? Oh, you know, when I wanna get the upper hand on my wife, I have a favorite passage I go to. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands. Boom, ba-boom, there goes the muscles. Yeah, I got you now. And here comes the answer back. You didn't read the rest of the verse. Husband, love your wives in Christ, like the church. Boom! The hands go down. I stumble and I'm offended that she would say that. Her offense, my offense. But that word works together. Does not we as Christians, do we not stumble at His word? We don't know what we believe anymore. We don't know if we believe that Jesus really is the Christ, that he really rose from the dead. We don't know what version of the Bible we want to read, what's right and what's wrong. We don't know if God created the heavens or if it evolved. We've come to a place where we as believers don't know right and wrong. What is the truth? How much of his truth applies to me and what don't apply to me? How much do I have to love him? How much do I have to follow him? How much do I have to... To serve him. Those are the questions we ask as believers, and we get offended, and we stumble. Every day I go to my cursed machine at work, I stumble. I say, especially it's Halloween. I told my supervisor the other day, it's Halloween. That thing's got seven devils in it. It ain't going to run right. And then I get mad at the bosses, but I'm not allowed to get mad at the bosses because the word tells me I'm not allowed to do that. I stumble and I get offended at his word sometimes. But we as believers are not supposed to do that. Sinners do that. But even believers sometimes we get offended and we get mad at God. And we stumble out of scriptures. But then Peter says, you know what? Even though the builders rejected him, he says, but unto you. To those who have accepted Jesus Christ, he is precious those who believe he's precious why is he so precious to us he's our best friend he leads us he guides us he walks with us when we're in trial when we're in tribulation I don't understand it I don't know why but somehow I know in my heart he is with me he loves me and he cares for me and he's going to bring me through whatever mess I'm in I didn't say he was going to change the mess, but he's going to bring me through that mess. Therefore, he's precious to me because he loves me. He's precious to me because he died for me. He rose again for me. And now the Bible says he's at the right hand of the father making intercession for me. This is why he is precious to the believers. And one day he's going to come back for us. And because Christ is precious to us, because of all these things the Bible says here, we will not be confounded. That means we will not fall. We will not be tripped up because he is so precious to us. He's done such a work in our lives. We cannot fall away from him. Come on, you've been there. Have you not? You're almost on the verge to say, I'm done. I'm done. I don't know what you're doing in my life. And all of a sudden he just comes in and he helps you out. You will not fall. You will not be confounded because Christ is with you. Why? Because he's precious. He was elect. He was the chief cornerstone. He was the one that sat on the city of Hill of David. He was the glory of the people Israel. He was the glory of God made manifest in the flesh. God had called him. God had chosen him. And the Bible says he chose him according to the scriptures. This is what the scriptures said he was going to do. God said he was going to send a Messiah. He did send a Messiah. So in the eyes of God, Jesus Christ was precious. And he is the only way to the Father. As a result of that... The end of verse 5 says we're spiritual sacrifice. Now everything I say here, I'm just going to kind of lump together. When he talks about the stone and the builders, the builders were the Jewish people who got the law, the commandments, and all that of God, and they built the temple. They built this physical temple. But Jesus Christ came in as a spiritual temple. He says, i made a body for you. To walk on the earth. And he now he says, we are a part of that body. We are a spiritual priesthood. We are a spiritual house under God. And we are to live as lively stones. You and I are not dead. We are alive because he's alive in us. In a sense, this building is dead. This building can't do a lot. It has to be repaired. It has to be fixed. It has to be maintained and taken care of. It can't do it itself But when we come into the house of God, we make this building alive. We repair it. We fix it up. We worship in it. We make activity in it. The presence of God comes with us in the house of God. And we become his lively stones. He is alive and well in us. Peter says we are lively stones. We are precious to God. Even though men disallowed him, even though men turned away from the Lord Jesus Christ, even though they wouldn't do it, the Bible says he still came. He came as the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he was alive and well, and nobody could stop him. He came in a manger. He came, He walked, He lived, He preached. And those people who would listen to Him, those people who would turn to Him, He changed their lives forever and He made them new. And that group of people turned the world upside down. That has happened to you. That has happened to me. Because He lives in us. He is alive and well in our souls. He is alive and well in our lives and therefore we should be alive to all those around us to know that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Lord, and he is the King. He not only come as a babe in a manger, but he's coming again. It doesn't matter what any man thinks. It doesn't matter where any man goes. It don't matter how so scientifically smart we get. Man will not be able to answer every problem in life. You can't just keep throwing money at poverty and think it's going to change. You can't just go tell somebody, you shouldn't fight that guy because it's not the right thing to do. They ain't going to listen to that. It's only when a man or woman's heart changes and comes to Jesus Christ will real things really get together and people will walk and act right and do the things that God wants them to do. But not everybody wants to do it and not everybody will heed the word of God. But you and I heeded that call. We said last week that we are his people. His called out, holy, sanctified, separated people that he lives in us and he reigns with us. And when we come in here on Sunday morning and worship him, we serve his priests. We worship him and give him honor and glory. We are the body of Christ. But today we have been individually touched. We have been individually saved. And now we need to take that message that reigns in our hearts and in our minds and take it to somebody else. The church don't grow. The church extends. The kingdom extends. God extends his kingdom. But he has to do it when individuals are willing to say, I love you. I will follow you. I will share you with other people. The church has quit doing that. We want to become so loving and so caring, we won't say that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the only way to heaven because they bring the arguments. And the arguments just keep coming, they keep coming, and they keep coming. And a lot of times we don't have the answer for the arguments. I don't think Peter had the answers. He was filled with the Spirit. And the spirit drove him to say the words of God. That's what he does with us. He touches us by his spirit as when the word of God, the word comes back to us. And we release that word to somebody else. And somebody will get saved through that word. It's always worked like that. It will always work like that. We just have to say, yes, there is a God. Yes, he was revealed in Jesus Christ. Yes, this God is the only way to heaven. You can't finagle your way around it. You can't sweet talk nobody to the cross. It's God's work in our lives working out through somebody else and let God do what he wants to do. You might be made fun of. You might be cut down. You might be condemned. But it's the word that does the work. And it will always be the word that does the work. You and I as individuals, we are his lively stones even though everybody's rejected and turned away from him, uh, God has chose us. God has called us. God has elected us as individual to do his work and to share the good news with somebody else. Let us do that this morning, church. Let us share what Christ has done in our lives and that he wants to do the same thing in the life of somebody else. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I just want to come to you this morning in Jesus' name and to thank you for being the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, to thank you for being the one who died and rose again. Jesus said, You come to give us life and life more abundantly, and we're so thankful for that life. We're so thankful, Lord, that you've touched our lives and saved our souls, and you've turned us around, Lord, to pick up our cross and to follow you and to deliver that word wherever you take us at our homes, in our workplace. Wherever we're at, God, in the public domain, you've called us out to share what you've done uh, for mankind. Let us be the believers you want us to be. Help us to stay in the word of God, to study that word, to be a praying people, to be a moving people, Lord. And you will bless the church. You will multiply the kingdom. You will do what you said you would do if we would just pick up our cross and follow you. We thank you for who you are and what you've done. Be with us now, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.